Welcome to the Verse by Verse podcast, a ministry of the Friendship Congregational Bible Church. I'm Richard Church, the teacher on Verse by Verse, and I'm glad you've joined with us today as we study together God's infallible word, verse by verse. We're coming into a part of the book of Acts that is a a great turning point. In chapter 7, verse 2, Stephen begins his address. This is the longest recorded sermon in the book of Acts. Um, It's one of the longest in all of the New Testament. And it's a very significant thing. You know, when you come, when you come through the Bible, uh, if, if you've ever read the Bible through, just from Genesis all the way through, you, you may have noticed that there are certain places in the Bible where it will stop and it will go back and give a history of Israel. And it'll kind of bring you up to date to how they got to where they're at in that point. And very often, when Israel is moving into some new, new period or you know, there's some change taking place, you'll find that those are the points where it'll go back and give this history of Israel. And it'll show the righteousness of God in bringing additional cursing on them for their disobedience. And it'll go back and it'll, it'll give this history of how they've disobeyed God even though God has been continually faithful to them. And that's part of what Stephen does here. He goes back and he gives this history. And so that in itself shows you you're at a significant point in the book of Acts. There's, there's something as far as Israel's program that is about to change or go into a new phase here. Um, and, and for that reason, God uses Stephen and it records here as he goes back and gives a history of the disobedience of Israel. And in his message... Um, Stephen really focuses on two individuals. He talks about Joseph, and the key there is that he says that in verse 13, at the second time, Joseph was made known to them. Now, Now, verse 17, he's going to talk about another individual, another deliverer of Israel. Verse 17 says, But when the time of the promise drew nigh, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt, till another king arose which knew not Joseph. The same dealt subtly with our kindred, and evil entreated our fathers, so that they cast out their young children to the end they might not live, in which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nourished up in his father's house three months, When he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. And when he was full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian, for he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. 
And the next day he showed himself unto them as they strove and would have set them at one again, again, saying, Sirs, ye are brethren, why do ye wrong one to another? But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? Wilt thou kill me as thou didst the Egyptian yesterday? Then fled Moses at this saying and was a stranger in the land of Midian, where he begat two sons. And when forty years were expired, there appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord in a flame of fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he wondered at the sight. And as he drew near to behold it, the voice of the Lord came unto him, saying, I am the God of thy fathers, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses trembled and durst not behold. Then said the Lord to him, Put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place where thou standest is holy ground. I have seen, I have seen the affliction of my people which is in Egypt. I have heard their groaning, and have come down to deliver them, and now come, I will send thee into Egypt. This Moses whom they refused, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge? The same did God send to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel which appeared to him in the bush. He brought them out after that he had showed wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness 40 years. Now he describes there how uh, he even killed an Egyptian to protect some of his brethren. But when he tried to, to kind of be an arbitrator between them, you see they despised him and they didn't want him. They said, you know, will you be a ruler and a judge over us? And he goes away and it's not until later he comes back and they accept him as the deliverer. You see those, those common points there with Joseph and with Moses. And Stephen is very quickly getting to his point here in, in uh, this sermon. Um, he talks about how Moses had prophesied that God was going to raise up a prophet like unto him. Um, you see it there, uh, again, if you... Look at uh, verse, verse 37. This is that Moses which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall ye hear. Um, in fact, before we go any, any further, let's go back and actually look at that passage where Moses says those words. I want you to go back to Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy chapter 18, and verse 15, we read the whole passage here, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, it says, The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee. Uh, by the way, notice in your King James Bible that the word prophet is capitalized. And that's because the translators understood that this prophet was not just a prophet like Ezekiel or Isaiah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. This is a special prophet. It's saying it capitalizes that name. Uh, the Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet... From the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him shall ye hearken. 
according to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire any more that I die not. And the Lord said unto me, They have well spoken that which they have spoken. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren like unto thee, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. Now, it says that this prophet is going to be like unto Moses. And Moses, here as he's as he's giving this prophecy, recounts how the Israelites had requested. They didn't want God to speak to them directly. They were afraid of the presence of the Lord. And, and they didn't want God to speak to them directly. And so God uses Moses as his mouthpiece. And so what Moses spoke was, was the word of the Lord. These things that Moses wrote in the first five books of the Bible are the word of the Lord. And this prophet that God is going to raise up is going to be like Moses in the sense that he is going to speak the word of the Lord. Now, all of the prophets spoke the word of the Lord, but there's something special about this prophet. And he's going to raise up this prophet. And in verse, at the end of verse 19, it says that whoever does not listen to that prophet, whoever doesn't, doesn't hearken unto God's words that that prophet speaks, he says... I will require it of him. Now, in one of the places where this verse is quoted in the New Testament, what it says, for where the way it uh, words that, instead of saying, I will require it of him, it says, whoever won't hear that prophet will be cut off from among the people. You see, when this prophet that Moses is talking about comes, the issue is not going to be, you know, what, what you believe about the Old Testament law, it's going to be, do you believe that prophet? See, this prophet that Moses is talking about, when when he shows up, when God raises up that prophet, the the thing that's going to be important and the way you have faith in God is to believe what that prophet has to say. And the reason Stephen brings this up, go back to to, uh, the book of Acts in chapter 7. The um, Stephen goes back to to uh, talking about Moses some more. Uh, he's he's not quite to the end of his history lesson here, but he's he's quickly getting to that point. Um, he verse verse thirty eight. Um, we'll just quickly come down through these verses as he continues with the history of Israel. Uh, verse. Verse 38, it says, this is he, speaking of of, uh, Moses, this is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake to him in the Mount Sinai and with our fathers, who received the lively oracles to give unto us, to whom our fathers would not obey, but thrust him from them and in their hearts turned back again into Egypt saying unto Aaron, Make us gods to go before us, for as for this Moses, which brought us out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days, and offered sacrifice unto the idol, and rejoiced in the works of their own hands. 
Then God turned and gave them up to worship the host of heaven. As it is written in the book of the prophets, O ye house of Israel, have ye offered to me slain beasts and sacrifices by the space of 40 years in the wilderness? Um, He talks about how they worship these false gods. Let's just um, skip skip down through there. Uh, He talks about all of their their disobedience before God. And if you come down to verse 51, he says, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised, in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted, and they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one, of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers. You see, he, he gives them all of this history really to talk about the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the time he gets to the end of his message, he doesn't have to say much about Christ himself because they understand what he's saying. Just like they had rejected uh, Joseph at first, And he had gone away, but later he became their deliverer. Just as they had rejected Moses at first, and he went away, and later came and and was their deliverer, now they've rejected the just one. They've rejected that prophet that Moses said would come. Uh, They have this, this... you know, this long history of rejecting the word of God, turning aside to false religion, to false gods. And here they've even rejected that just one. And so here he, he comes to the end of his, of his history lesson. Um, he tells them that they're the same as all of these other generations that had rejected the prophets, that had rejected the word of God, that they've resisted the Holy Ghost, and uh, again, they've even killed the just one that he says, of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. Okay? Now, Again, when you read the whole, the whole sermon there, most of it is a history of Israel. Not, not much of it is about the Lord Jesus Christ. But remember that they, you now have this series of, of sermons here in the book of Acts. You have what Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. You have what Peter preached um, on, on a couple of occasions before this council. They, they get the point. They understand what Stephen is, is speaking about. And they understand the, the point of his message. And you see that in their response. Verse 54 says, When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. Now, that was the same thing we, we saw previously, um, that, that they were cut to the heart, um, These things, they're not pricked in their heart like the people were on the day of Pentecost that believed what Peter was speaking, but they're cut to the heart, and they turn their hatred and their fury on Stephen. You see, verse 55 says, But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Now, 
Don't let the significance of that get past you. Um, Stephen here is, as he's about about to die, um, he looks up and he's allowed to see into heaven. Now, it doesn't say anybody else saw this here, but Stephen sees it. And it says that he saw Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Now, in these sermons earlier in the book of Acts, we saw how it was preached that when Jesus rose from the dead and when he ascended into heaven, God said to him, sit thou at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. Sit thou at my right hand. Uh, when you go back into the Psalms, for instance, and that's where that's a quote from, is, is from the Psalms, um, you see these Psalms that talk about the Lord rising up. And every time you see that, when the Lord rises up, He's rising up in judgment and in vengeance. He's rising up because there's some, some wickedness, there's some iniquity that needs to be avenged. And here, as Stephen looks up into heaven. He doesn't see Jesus Christ sitting there at the right hand of God, waiting for his foes to be made his footstool. He sees him risen up at the right hand of God. You see, here is the point where Israel is deserving of the full condemnation and judgment of God. This is the point where they are deserving of all of the things that the prophets had said would come on them and on the, the, the fullness of those curses that were, they were told they would experience if they didn't obey the Word of God. This is the point where they, they are deserving of all of those things. Um, you might say, well, what about the cross? Weren't they deserving then? But remember that Christ, Christ had said in His earthly ministry that if they blaspheme the Son of Man, he said that could be forgiven them. But he said if they blaspheme the Holy Ghost, that wouldn't be forgiven them. And here, after the, the resurrection and ascension of Christ, he sent that Holy Ghost. For a year at this point, we're, this is about a year after the crucifixion and, and resurrection, for a year the Holy Spirit has been testifying it's been testifying through those apostles. It's been testifying through Stephen, where here they can't even deny that, that the Spirit of God is in Stephen. They see him, you know, see his face as it were as an angel. And here the Holy Ghost through Stephen is testifying to them. And here is the point where Israel as a nation and where these, through their leaders here in the council, where they reject finally uh, that testimony of the Holy Ghost. By the way, remember as well about that year that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ had told a parable about the religion of Israel where, where he likened it to a fig tree. And he talked about how, you know, after coming three years looking for, looking for fruit on that fig tree, it didn't bear fruit and the owner of the fig tree wanted to just tear it out at the end of the three years. And there was a husbandman, though, that asked for one extra year to dig about it and dung it. And if it didn't bring forth fruit at the end of the year, then it could be torn out. All right, That was a, a parable that Christ told. 
We have Christ for three years in his earthly ministry looking for fruit from that fig tree, and it's barren. And here there's this extra year where even with the testimony of the Holy Ghost, even that, that uh, extra, you know, extra effort being put in to try and get Israel to bring forth fruit, here we are at the end of that year and they aren't bringing forth fruit. And you see, uh, it's at the, the right time for that time of Jacob's trouble to come upon them. If, if you didn't have any more of the Bible, if you were just reading through the Bible, and you, you were coming up to this point, and you see what's going on here, you would expect, all right, it's time. It's time for Israel to be judged. It's time for that time that the prophets talked about, that, that the prophet Joel talked about, that all, you know, all these various prophets talked about. It's time for that to come and that judgment to fall on Israel. And that's why Stephen goes back, he gives this history, he shows that they're worthy of the judgment of God, and he looks up into heaven, and God allows him to see this vision, showing it's time for those enemies to be made his footstool. Peter had warned him about it on the day of Pentecost, right, that they better stop being his enemies, because he's going to make his enemies his footstool. Here, he's standing up there at the, at the right hand of God. And you see in verse 57, it says, Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. See, they, it says they stopped their ears. They, they don't want to hear what he has to say. They can't... They can't um, they can't dispute against what he's saying. All they can do is put the fingers in the ears, stop up their ears so they can't hear it. Realize that, that the gospel is a threatening thing to the world. It's a threatening thing to the religious leaders of the world. It's a threatening thing to the political leaders of the world because it changes things. It, it changes. Remember what they said of the Apostle Paul? They said he had turned the world upside down. They, they at the one city, they were upset that he was coming there because they said, these that have turned the world upside down have come hither also. And here, they're, they stop up their ears. I mean, it's almost as if they think, we better stop listening to this, otherwise we might start believing it as well. And so they just, they just shut off their ears from it. And they run upon him with one accord. Now, we've seen how the believers were in one accord. The believers were in one accord in their belief of the Word of God. Here, these men are in one accord in their rejection of God's Word. They run upon Him with one accord. They cast Him out of the city. They they stone Him. And you notice what it says. It introduces us to a person here that becomes very important in most of the rest of the book of Acts. It says, They laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Now it talks about them laying down their clothes there. And what they're doing, realize these these are the men that Christ talked about that said they like to go about in long robes. It's their, their religious garments. And here they're about to commit a murder. They're going to kill this, this man by stoning. But they don't want to get their, you know, their fancy duds dirty as they do it. 
And so they take off those religious robes. They lay them down. Saul doesn't participate in the, in the uh, stoning there, but he watches their coats. He holds their coat. You, you heard that saying, somebody holds the coat for somebody else. That's what Saul does here for these men as they take Stephen out, this man full of the Holy Ghost, and they put him to death. And this same Saul, of course, in just, just uh, about a chapter after this point, uh, he is going to become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he later is going to be called Paul, and he's going to become an apostle of, of Jesus Christ. Now, this, this chapter here in Acts chapter 7 is a, is a turning point in the book of Acts. Now, what you find out as you keep reading through the book of Acts is that though Stephen sees Christ there standing at the right hand of God, that, that time of Jacob's trouble doesn't come on Israel at that point. Instead, what you begin to see in chapter 8, you're going to see um, God sending uh, these, these uh, deacons, and, and it's going to be Philip. Stephen is dead now. It's going to be Philip that God sends out first to the Samari- Samaritans and then to, to uh, uh, a Gentile proselyte, an Ethiopian proselyte. Um, in chapter 9, you see the, the salvation of Saul of Tarsus, and he goes immediately and preaches at Damascus in a Gentile city. And as you go farther into the book of Acts here, the focus is going to change from Israel and the ministry of Peter and the Twelve to the Gentiles and the ministry of Saul, later called Paul. Um, that's why this is a this is a turning point. Um, so in in Acts chapter eight, God's going to begin to send um, to send out you know a man like Philip, uh, send him to to Samaritans, send him to an Ethiopian. Uh, in chapter nine, you have the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. In chapter ten, he sends Peter to a to a, an uncircumcised Gentile, and after. You know, after uh, Saul of Tarsus is saved there on the road to Damascus, you know, the Peter and the Twelve are hardly mentioned. And they're, they're really only mentioned as far as their connection with Paul and with the Gentiles. You see, there's, a, there's a, a change taking place here that we see moving forward from Acts chapter 7. Um, and, and, you know, don't miss those things there. Uh, the the sermon there of, of Stephen, I know we went through that chapter pretty quickly today, but there's not a lot of explanation that's needed. It's, again, just that, that history lesson. He takes those things that were uh, so known to them and uses them to point them to Christ and, and their rejection of Christ. And he once again pronounces that indictment upon them. And here's where they're worthy as a nation of, of that full judgment of God, and yet he doesn't bring it on them because God had a secret that he kept secret from the foundation of the world that he was going to do something new among the Gentiles. And he's going to use this man Saul, this man who's holding the coats for, for these murderers there at Jerusalem, he's going to use him to do it. Probably the most 
unlikely person you would think of to do it, but he's going to use him as the apostle of the Gentiles to reveal this mystery that hadn't been made known to the prophets. You see, what we've seen uh, among the, uh, the apostles and the deacons here is they've been preaching what the prophets said, and they continuously go back to the prophets. But he's going to use Saul of Tarsus to reveal some things that the prophets didn't know about, this mystery having to do with the Gentiles. And we're going to close there, and let's close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these things from your word. We, we pray that uh, even just this, this overview of that chapter and Stephen's message there in Acts chapter 7 would spur us to further study on our own of those things. We, we uh, just thank you for this progression that we can see here in the book of Acts. And we thank you for the, the part that we can play as Gentiles in what you're doing today, not, not uh, as, as strangers and aliens as in time past, but as, as fellow members of your household. We thank you uh, for the revelation of the mystery that's given to Paul. And uh, we, we uh, just thank you for the blessings that you've given to Jew and Gentile alike in Christ. We thank you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in his name. Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today, and I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here, you can contact me by email at richard at richardchurch.com or by telephone 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.friendshipbiblechurch.com. Thank you for joining us today, and our prayer is that this program would be a blessing to you in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's grace.